Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to the Nerd Party. Hi, this is Henry Gilra, co-executive producer of Star Wars Rebels. You're listening to Aggressive Negotiations. Welcome to Aggressive Negotiations, the Star Wars podcast on the Nerd Party Network that takes you to every last corner of the Star Wars galaxy and beyond, peering into the future. I'm one of your hosts, Jedi Master John Mills, and with me, peering across the stars like Padme and Anakin, but not quite, is my good friend, Jedi Master Matthew Rushing. Matt, how are you today? Well, I'm just trying to figure out which one of us is Padme, which one of us is Anakin, I always fancied myself more of an R2-D2. Oh, okay. Mm. More of an R2. Well, I'm definitely not C-3PO, so, yeah. We'll let the audience decide, and the audience can let us know through all of the different ways that they can get in contact with us. You can contact the show on Twitter, at the Jedi Masters. You can contact the network, the Nerd Party, at Join Nerd Party. You can reach out through Facebook, at facebook.com slash the Nerd Party, and of course, the Nerd Party on Instagram. Use the hashtag aggressive negotiations and let us know that you're thinking of us and we'll let you know when we're thinking of you. You can, of course, also send us an email by going to thenerdparty.com slash contact, choosing aggressive negotiations, and electing to send us a missive, which we will respond to. So, uh, Matt, this week we find ourselves in new territory, bold territory looking at a Disney Plus streaming service that's looming on the horizon with Alan Horn actually uh, discussing in a recent interview his thoughts on how they're planning to approach the Star Wars galaxy from here on out after Episode Nine, And he puts a great deal of emphasis on how important it is to them to leave the films in a good place with Episode Nine for future development, but also looking toward different avenues that they have, different opportunities that they have to expand and grow Star Wars, which of course is something that we're all interested in. So where do you see territory for them to explore the Star Wars galaxy in a post-Skywalker world? Once we know there are no more Skywalker stories to be told, how does Disney forge ahead without even the hint of a Skywalker somewhere in the shadows. You know, I was I was thinking a great deal about this as we were approaching tonight and, and just what, you know, okay, so what is it about Star Wars, the Skywalker saga that we all fell in love with, and what is it that you're going to want to see continued forward so that it would it would have that feel and you know I I think that the thing that really struck me is how you know the story of Anakin Skywalker and his prodigy 
is all wrapped up in the hero's journey and that, you know, that hero's journey can lead you down many different paths. Um, it could be a tragic, you know, hero's journey. Um, and it can, you know, it can also be a, a you know, a happy ending. Um, and Or it could be somewhere in the middle. And I think that's where I feel like all of these things, if, if you're going to continue Star Wars, you need to find a way to tap into that and, and know what, what part of the, the type and the type of story that you're trying to tell that taps into that. But staying, I think, in that framework is is probably going to be helpful because you know that's really what Star Wars is based around. I mean, I think back to you know even Solo, um, that movie is 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 a hero's journey story, um, you know, but it's it's set in a completely different part of the universe, you know, that doesn't involve you know magical wizard and those kind of things. But you still have the, the old wizened person that's helping out your main character you know and those kind of things you've got a character that's got you know people that die along the way um so they see the the responsibility of what it is they're taking on and they have tough choices to make of, of which side they're going to choose to be on and so you know that's something that we see throughout the star wars galaxy um even if you know i i think even in um the Clone Wars arc, you know, you kind of see different characters go through that. I mean, I think, like, uh, look at, you know, Clone Wars to Rebels and the arc that you get, um, you know, a character like Hondo going on. They even have some somewhat of a hero's journey. There's an arc there of them growing from one place to the next, you know. And so I think that's something that uh, hugely important. So, you know, you really need to make sure that whatever it is that we're going to focus on, I think has that as a backbone in some way. Um, and I think, you know, Star Wars also is is very much a part of uh, character storytelling and, and that flows into that, you know, hero's journey. So to me, you know, if whatever it is, wherever it is that we go, I feel like in some way that has to be the foundation we lay the rest of Star Wars on. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree. Um you know, as I look on my bookshelf and I see from the old uh, Smithsonian exhibit, Star Wars, the magic of myth. And so there really needs to be something at least semi-mythical. Like uh, Han's journey isn't necessarily mythical since we're using that as a touchstone. But it's mythic in the, like usually what, what I mean by that is usually with myth, we think of something of mythic proportion, you know, the, the Odyssey or um, you know, or Hercules or something like that. And while Han has a much more uh, human type of mythic journey, it's still that mythic journey. And so I think that a bigger challenge actually that that is presented to Star Wars outside of no Skywalker or no threat of a Skywalker, like even Rogue One has... The, the looming presence of Vader, and then he shows up. So there's always sort of like a Skywalker element. Solo doesn't have that. So I think that proves that it can exist without it. I think the, the trickier territory for them, and one that they haven't shown a great appetite for escaping as of yet, is an era that isn't defined by the Empire. Yes, the prequels have the rise of the Empire, but that's the farthest away we get from it. I think that the biggest challenge that they have 
is how are they going to construct something that doesn't have that imperial nature to it, defining uh, the shape of the galaxy. I think that the Mandalorian, by all indications, starts moving us in that direction. And Solo moved us in that direction. And so I think the biggest challenge is how committed can they be to that direction? Yeah, I was just thinking about the idea of the the Mandalorian and, you know, this is, you know, set. I think it's supposed to be seven years after Return of the Jedi. So, you know, we're well before the First Order really becomes uh, a thing that we're dealing with. Uh, you know, it, it's mm-hmm. and it seems as though, you know, from from reading, you know, the uh, aftermath series that, you know, the after the Battle of Jakku, the Empire's pretty much done for the most part. Um, you know, there there are probably pockets here and there of, of Imperial strongholds, but, you know, that's probably not going to be something that we deal a lot with. And so we kind of have this wide open galaxy that in many ways kind of feels a little bit more like the prequel era than mm-hmm. before, you know, um, episode one or between episode one and episode two. You know, you got 10 years there where... Um, you know, you're dealing with pirates and bounty hunters and all that kind of stuff. In fact, just speaking to that, reading the Padme uh, book that had just come out, um, I haven't finished it yet, but, you know, there's a part of that where you've got the Senate happening, you know, you've got pirate problems, that kind of stuff. Um, so I, I think you can really go on that journey then in a completely different and new way. Um, and too, you know, it, just that show alone gives you the opportunity to really dive into areas that you've only seen in maybe one or two Clone Wars episodes or Rebels episode, mm-hmm. you know, uh, places in the galaxy we haven't really gotten a chance to explore. Um, exploring more of the, you know, kind of the underbelly, the underworld, like we started with in Solo. I think Mandalorian might give us an opportunity to continue some of that. Um, Hope so. And, you know, I also think that uh, the Mandalorian has the opportunity then to really help us galvanize what the galaxy is like uh, before the First Order becomes a really big deal and kind of help us feel out. You know, maybe they'll drop hints every now and then about what's going on with the New Republic. You know, um, you, you may just hear a passing mention of, you know, maybe Leia's name or something uh, as a senator um, you know, maybe Mon Mothma, that kind of stuff, just even in a hollow net, you know, news going by kind of thing. Like it's just in the background, um, which I think would be really interesting. But again, it seems too, you know, since it, the Mandalorian is seemingly following this one character that we're starting with a character who's going to probably take us on some kind of heroes type journey. Um, we're going to follow that character um, and, and they're going to have some sort of growth, some sort of arc as they, they work through this series, which, again, I think is a, is a smart place to, to, to go, um, you know. And I think maybe one of the things about um, Rogue One that maybe people – I know lots of people like that movie. I love that movie. But, um, you know, the arcs for those characters are more truncated because it's only in one film. And we've gotten used to having our star, even our Star Wars characters, progress throughout lots of films. And so, you know, something like The Mandalorian gives you that opportunity to take that journey with the characters that you're going to create for that show um, and and really follow them. And so um, I would say this, you know, where we go with Star Wars, I don't want to see Star Wars only become something that we just kind of 
pour everything into um, Disney Plus or whatever, you know, I, I just, because there's, you know, Star Wars can be done really well on TV. Obviously, the Clone Wars proved that. Rebels, you know, I'm excited for The Mandalorian. But there's something special, I think, about a Star Wars movie. And, you know, George using cinema to tell these type of stories um, I don't I definitely don't want to lose that so I really do hope that they have some plans in the future uh, for you know where they want to go on the big screen as much as they do the small screen and and you know the reason I'm saying this right now is that we've only really heard rumors about what's going on with the Benioff and Weiss stuff we have no idea what's really happening there we have no idea how many films they're doing um, the Ryan Johnson trilogy, which we've, you know, really heard nothing about other than the fact that he's doing it. Um, so I just want them to find a, something to do in the Star Wars galaxy that comes out on the big screen. Cause to me, there's, I don't know, George really made going to the movie special again. And I'd hate for Star Wars to lose that, you know, in fact, I'd really love Star Wars to find a way to bring that back. Uh, there are a couple of things with, uh. With, with, with what you're saying that um, I would key on. So sort of like in turn, uh, you know, I, I while I agree with you, there should be something mythic. Um, and, and I know that the term hero's journey, we're not necessarily hitching on to that. I, I definitely want them to be bold enough to explore a Breaking Bad sort of arc so like if the mandalorian winds up being that sort of arc where the character isn't redeemed but rather continues down that uh that that darker path that's still valid and it still has its own mythic sort of nature because that's always been you know the the flip side you go back to the greek dramas and tragedies and that sort of thing well and just so, to interject real quick wouldn't that be kind of a cool isn't that seem like that would be kira's story right like wouldn't it be great to follow her in a disney plus series sure because sure. that kind of seems like that might be her arc of course um and you know and for all we know we're gonna see her again but you know it, it's one of those things where i, I definitely think that um part of them exploring will need to be going after the darker characters as well uh, and so that they don't wind up uh, going into a repetitive sort of thing of like everybody's you know uh, just an echo of 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 the skywalkers or something um i think also in terms of the changing marketplace i, I think that the whole thing about movies versus streaming you know the theatrical experience sort of thing i would be actually perfectly okay with um star wars becoming a one movie every five years and then everything else streaming series sort of thing that that i think is how you um, retain sort of a specialness to it because i think that with all of the content for marvel for star wars for all of this everybody's getting their own streaming service and their own properties out there and I think the only thing that can potentially damage a uh, a property like Star Wars is to have too much of it. The, the thing that happens a lot of times with every single brand, it's like when you have a favorite, you know, a favorite uh, night spot or burger joint or what have you that's local to your area that you take when somebody comes and visits you. Uh, it, you know, I always use the example of Five Guys. 
when somebody visited me when I lived in in Northern Virginia and they hadn't gone to Five Guys, Five Guys was a place you took people. You said, these are our burgers. This is us. And now it's nationwide, and it's great. Every you know, People in Idaho can enjoy Five Guys, but do we really need everybody to have Five Guys everywhere? Can't we keep it, keep these things a little bit more special? And I think the way you do that is by being very choosy about how much content you put out. Yeah, you know, I, I think you're absolutely right because, you know, I, I would be much more uh, apt to really, I think, enjoy a, a Star Wars film if, like you said, it's, you know, every three years, every five years, something like that where, you know, and it's probably going to be, honestly, I'd say they're, they're probably would shoot for more like every three years, like the prequels. You know, right. I think that's a good time frame to have people kind of get, you know, their appetites wet. But I, I think you're absolutely right in the sense that, you know, you can't just overload the streaming service either with too much Star Wars content or else, you know, people are just going to get kind of tired of it. Um, right. And I, I think you need to find a way to make those things special as well. Um, you know, seeing rumors of flying around of all of these ideas for shows of, you know, like... Uh, they, you know, because we know we're going to get the Cassian Andor series as well, yeah. um, which the fact that we also could get K2SO back is just phenomenal. So, you know, I think that's sure. that's a smart move. Um, but then seeing rumors for like, you know, a uh, a Rose show or, you know, like um, Kira show or I mean, they, they a Lando show. I mean, they were just like it was pretty much like we just name a random Star Wars character, you know, uh, where are we going to do a more off show, you know, from the, the hairy look, you know, white Wookiee looking thing from Rogue One. Uh, He's going to get his own right. show, you know, um, maybe Borgolet will get its own show, you know, and you won't even know you watched it because, you know, you're, well, so it could I, be, it could be like, that could be like the Hypnotoad in Futurama. <laughs> yes. Yeah. People are wa- people are watching. Everybody loves Borg Gullet, and it's just them staring blankly at the screen. <laughs> uh, you know, so I think I think you do really have to be careful, and I I think that they possibly understand this. You know, I, I w- was appreciative that Alan Horn, you know, talking about Solo and it being considered, you know, quote unquote, and I'm doing air quotes, dink dink, as a failure. Um, and part of that was the way that it's written about in the press, which he's like, I thought it was a good movie. It might not have resonated the way we wanted it to, but I wouldn't write about it the way I see it written about. I mean, I don't think it's that bad of a movie. Um, and I, you know, I think overarchingly, I think there's a big problem just in the narrative of things is already written before it comes out. You know, it's all about what the box office is going to do. And for months beforehand, they're saying, oh, it's 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 coming out. You know, the, the projections are this number, you know, so like months before a movies ever been seen by the public, they already have a perception of what that movie is going to be based on things that honestly really don't matter because box office doesn't mean the movie's actually good. So, you know, it. it I feel like, um, you know, in the end, they just need to stick to their guns. They need to do what they need to do to make a good Star Wars content, and people will be happy with it. You know, that that's really mm-hmm. what we want. We just want good story. And, um, you know, the fact that um, they asked him about, you know, what's coming after, and he said, yeah, we're working on that. The fact that they, there hasn't been any leaks or any thought of what's coming next. They haven't released anything other than what they've released, like The Mandalorian, you know, Clone Wars coming out, them doing a Cassian show. 
there hasn't been anything else, especially film-wise. I think it's very smart for them to have allowed, you know, there to be this breather. They aren't going to announce anything. We won't be getting anything, I don't think, until, you know, we get to celebration here in April as we're recording this of 2019. Um, I I just think that's a really wise idea. But I also think Mm -hmm. it's hopefully allowing them to get themselves in order for gearing up towards, okay, what is next? Because we're going to be probably introducing a whole new part of the Star Wars galaxy we've never been before. You know, mm-hmm. that's what we've heard what Brian Johnson wants to do. I'm pretty sure that's what Benny Offman Weiss wants to do. Um, you know, so plan really, really well for those things. You know, I mean, I think most people, even if they like the sequel trilogy, they would say, and I have friends that would say this, you know, I like the sequel movies a lot, but I really wish that they had sat down and planned out the whole thing before they started. Do that with whatever it is you're going to do so that when right. you give it to us, it feels coherent. It feels really well put together. It feels like it, it fits. Well, I mean, um, that, that's the that's the allure of streaming series is you know that they have to. Like a typical series nowadays isn't usually the way that they did television back in you know the, the 60s 70s 80s and 90s they have to have an idea because they're shooting it all in three months and it's there's a certain level of cinematic quality that's expected now and so I think that's definitely the allure of staying with the streaming and I think that Star Wars also uh, you know not that it's its own you know self-aware entity or anything but like just looking at it from a planning perspective i think that there is you have the books you have the comics you have plenty of ancillary material that can satiate those that want to consume it 24/7 and these these properties need to be for those who want to you know uh, uh savor it you know like a fine wine um is is what i would go with and but also to address like you know you mentioned we've heard all of these rumors all the way down to uh you know like a rose tico show or something you know which is fine i i'm not i don't reject any idea out of hand anything can work and anything can be good um so i'm not one of those people that looks at an idea like because there were a lot of people where their initial reaction when they read some of the ideas was oh this isn't going to work this yeah sure it could but they're at the stage where it is the job of whatever writer's room or whatever that they have to sit there and throw everything out there. You know, like you can't have people afraid to pitch an idea. Um, you have to encourage everybody. The craziest ideas have to be thrown out there. And even if you have to scale it back a little bit, that's where you're going to find, uh, you know, the, the great stuff. Like uh, another host on this network, Mike Schindler, he's all about a Max Rebo show. And, you know, we laugh and we chuckle, but throw that out there. What could you turn that into? You know, what could you find an angle in that? Does that get you thinking a certain way? And so I think I think it's it's important to keep in mind that a lot of the stuff we hear about at this stage is just people throwing ideas out there. On the outside, Max Rebo had it all. But on yeah. the inside, it was bleak. <laughs> this is Max Rebo behind the band. 
There you go. Exactly. <laughs> you could have a little four episode series. Oh, man. Um, well, and I was thinking, too, that, you know, this is really the area as well where you can do some things where you expand on areas that haven't been expanded upon yet. Um, you know, I gosh, we've mentioned it before, but I think it bears repeating that. And I'd be remiss if I, I didn't mention this, but just do the Jedi Apprentice style series as an mm-hmm. as an an animated series you know you've got at least four five six seasons worth of material that you could take and create stories there um in an era of the galaxy that we don't really know a lot about you know before Mm -hmm. episode one um so really allow us to play with that i think that would be really cool you know you were mentioning like doing um things about people that don't get redeemed you know you really could do something that follows Sith characters, you know, mm-hmm. um, something like that, I think would be a really interesting show. I mean, you had um, John Jackson Miller do um, the whole Sith book series, you know, uh, and, and that could be something really interesting to follow. In it all, though, I also do think you just want to be very careful because there are certain things I don't know if you want to completely ever truly explain. So, you know, the force or anything like that, you you always want to keep some sort of uh, nebulousness about certain things. You know, it's like I don't ever mm-hmm. want to see about Yoda's backstory. I'm sorry, just don't need to know that. I think it's much more interesting to have him be kind of an enigma of a character Agreed. like that. You know, those kind of things. Let's not ruin the mystery and the enjoyment of that kind of stuff because that's also one of the things that makes Star Wars fun. Don't over-explain it to me so that me as a fan then can't enjoy what we talk about all the time, the joy of speculation, the joy yes. of having these kind of conversations um, where we're, you know, we dive deep into something and, it, and you know, you can, you can have your own thoughts on it without being like having the guy go, well, actually, in episode 1425 of, you know... But see... Um, that's, that's what you don't want to have happen. That, but what's so much fun about you saying that is that was exactly, uh, if you recall, you know, because we didn't know each other during this era of Star Wars or whatever. But, you know, I've said this, you know, before. I, I absolutely agree with you because that was one of the things that broke me with the expanded universe before the prequels was there was so much going on that was explaining things in such crazy detail and it became this sort of thing where it was like there was just too much explanation of things. And I think also the expanded universe offers both a cautionary tale and uh, a, a guide for doing the exact things that we're talking about. Because one of the things that hampered the expanded universe after a time was the over explaining stories, the tales of the bounty hunters type of stuff that, you know, like that just really digging too deep into that one era. I think they overcompensated a little bit, but they at least then pushed to the Vong and, you know, and going into something completely new and different and willing to sacrifice characters and do interesting things. Were there things I didn't like? Absolutely. But I have to at least respect the fact that they pushed and did things that were unexpected. And that's where I think, you know, that is, that is where they can look to the expanded universe and say, boy, the, that original stuff. I mean, that's where we got Thrawn from originally. And that's where we got, you know, all of these different great ideas. Let's 
keep pushing that boundary. Yeah, and I think you you see the opportunity to mimic some of the things that they did in the expanded universe in that way. Um, you know, I specifically think of the fact that, you know, um, take the idea of something like an old republic or whatever, but make it feel more like it really should. Like, make it feel ancient. Mm-hmm. Don't just make it feel like Star Wars a thousand years later, even though everything looks relatively the same. Um, it doesn't even right. look older. You know, find a way to do that, um, and I, I think it would be really fantastic, you know. And, you know, like we said, you know, do do a um, pre-prequel show with Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon. Um, you could even do that kind of series, you know, once episode. I, I think the other thing is, is that, you know, like you said, Horn was very keen on saying, look, we have to end episode nine well. We have to leave that well because that will allow them then to to tell stories like where they're telling the Mandalorian and beyond. You could even, mm-hmm. heck, you could do an animated series there if you wanted, you know, where you, you fill in gaps. Um, you know, we already know that Dave Filoni has in his back pocket Ahsoka and Sabine looking for Ezra out and oh. you know so i mean that's already there i mean so we have yeah. ideas that are there right we we have places where we can go we have um places where i think we can truly explore and we have places where we can do something that we've never done before uh, you know and and much of the way uh, we always bring this up but i think it's it's so true you know george you know nick has always told us george always said you know just just be crazy you know don't don't be afraid just do something nuts you know, and, yeah. and that's where ideas like um, the Zillow Beast came from. Let's do them. Right. Let's see if we can do a monster story. Will we break Star Wars if we do that? Right. Uh, yes. And I think that's the key for them to be able to do this is like try and break it. Can you break it? Uh, and- because but but if you if you can do it just right, you won't break it and you'll blow our minds. And keep in mind also. That even Lucas himself, uh, if the worst thing that happens, if the absolute worst thing that happens is that there's a movie or a TV show that I'm not absolutely in love with, that's okay. That's not a big deal. Because guess what? At the end of the day, this is all something we love. This is all something we want to be great. But it's also something that in its proper context is not a life or death situation. There's nothing about this that should have anybody yelling or arguing or making other people cry or anything like that. You know, like uh, y- y- look at the beating that Lucas took over however many projects that he's done over time. And did he did he go into hiding? Did he get upset? No, he just said, OK, and then did something else. And that's that I think is the mindset that's really going to need to power all of this is take what you said don't be afraid to break it because if the worst thing that you do is you break it, you can always fix it. You can always get it right next time. Well, another thing that I really do think that you need to follow in Lucas's footsteps was is stick to your guns. If you really felt like, feel like the story needs to be told um, and it's not quite as well received as you thought it might be, but you feel like it would be worth continuing to tell just keep going for it, you know, and I'm specifically thinking of like the solo film, you know, uh, uh, which, you, you yep. know, 
don't don't be afraid just because it didn't make Buku's amount of money. And I think that's the other thing is that I would say here, you know, if you're uh, we were kind of thinking about what do we call this episode, you know, force of vision casting, don't don't take the wrong lessons from things. And I, I do somewhat feel like they're kind of taking the wrong lesson from Solo because, you know, look, if the movie hadn't been completely reshot um, and spent, you know, extra millions of dollars on, the movie would have been a success. It wouldn't have been a, a massive success, but it would have been the same amount of success as, say, an Ant-Man. Let, you know, let's, so uh, there's nothing wrong. Why there's nothing wrong with that, and especially since it's not a movie. It's like trying to compare Ant Man to Avengers: Infinity War. You know, right. it, we're not dealing with the Skywalker saga. Obviously, it's not going to make as much money. So, you know, why are we comparing apples and oranges here? You know, so I, I feel like that's really something I hope that they reconsider. And don't take yep. the wrong lessons from things, and just don't don't make decisions out of fear. Make them out of of a sense of true belief. No, we feel like the story should be told. Well, there there's you know going along with that. Also, pay attention to award season. That can salve a lot of uh, box office wounds, as it were, because there are plenty of movies that. Uh, I, you know, you can put in the what I would call the Citizen Kane category. Citizen Kane was not well received until 20 years afterwards. And that is the difference is we have to hope that when they're going in this, yes, this is this is essentially a product that is being produced now. But you can still make products artful. You can still design you know what? A couch is functional, but you can design a beautiful couch, a desk chair, a uh, you, a car, whatever you want is a product you're selling, but you can put art into it and make it a beautiful thing. And that is um, that's always going to be the balancing act, because I think that's also a place where Star Wars can set itself apart because we have plenty of products. We have plenty of things that are assembly line franchises. Let's make this the boutique item. Let's make this the fancy pants right. thing. Well, and you know, um, like you mentioned award season, and you know, Solo is mm-hmm. is got a Oscar nod for effects, which I I think I heartily agree with that. I mean, I I all the movies in that category, I don't think there was a better movie, uh, it, effects wise. Um, but we we were celebrating today because you know we're we're huge fans of the um, the soundtrack and the International Film Music Critics Association awarded um, their uh, awards. Um, Solo won Film Score of the Year. Uh, it also won uh, Film Music Composition of the Year for John Williams for The Adventures yep. of Han. So uh, it also won Best Original Score for Fantasy Sci Fi Horror Film. It, it cleaned up. You know, I, so yep. I, I think you're, you know, yes, did it did it do what you wanted box office wise? No, but I mean, it's getting recognized in places which are good for it. And I and, and look, just just anecdotally, um, I went to um, the youth church camp for winter. Mm-hmm. Every kid I talked to. They liked or loved Solo. You know what they didn't like? Uh, you know what they didn't like? 
they didn't like that they can't find you online, Matt. <laughs> so where can people find you online? <laughs> well, uh, if you want to find out what they didn't like, you can find me on Twitter at MattRushing02. You can also find me under Letterboxd and, uh, of course, um, Instagram under that same name. You can find me here on the network talking about Harry Potter with Drea Kaufman over on Owlpost as we do one chapter a week. Uh, you can also find me over on the Trek FM network talking about a bunch of different things all in the 602 club with christy morris that's our general geek show we talk about all the fandoms we love i do the orb over there with chris jones talking about star trek deep space nine and then last but not least you can find me on cinema stories with my good friend courtney as we talk about films through the lens of faith but john um if anybody wants to talk to you and has any ideas about where maybe star wars should go in the future and what they would like to see where can they find you Right. Gosh, thanks, Matt. You can find me as Kessel Junkie lurking over on Twitter, but you can also find me on Letterboxd and Goodreads by that same username. And you can find me right here on the network co-hosting a little show called Retro Perspective, which features uh, me and Mike Schindler uh, enduring the film year of 1994 so far, um, looking at the uh, releases week by week from 25 years ago. Uh, It's a lot of fun. And we have uh, unearthed so far, uh, in terms of Lost Gems, the craziest Nicolas Cage on-screen performance in history. You may doubt us, but listen to Retro Perspective and we'll tell you where to find it. With all of that said, Matt, I think it's time to go back to the temple and close these negotiations. John, negotiations are closed. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.